0: For rocking with us, check it. Julie, kick off the show.
1: Welcome to Crazy and the King.
0: Whoop, whoop. Listen to me when I tell you, um, this like is the highlight of the day for me, and I needed you, like I absolutely needed you, because um, my level of frustration, and, and this is not even professional, my personal. And it's not even about the personal life. It's just, you know how you have one of those chaotic mornings and nothing seems to go right. Like you can't find the matching shoe. The belt that you want to wear doesn't necessarily want to go back to the hole that you needed to go to. Uh, The suit jacket, whatever it is, it was one of those types of chaotic mornings. You pick up a couple of eggs because you want to make them for the young king, but you drop them on the kitchen floor and they're the last two eggs that you have, the bacon that you wanted to make is not in the refrigerator because you chaotic. So I needed this recording. Like I just needed it. So I'm glad that we are here. How you feel?
1: Yes. You know what? It's so funny. I did a, a quick talk this morning to kick off the Global Diversity Summit for West Pharmaceuticals. Shout out to you guys for doing the work. Yes, indeed. And I said that to them. I said, I depend on my people. Yes. in this world. And and it's not just because sometimes the work is hard, but just life is hard and I need my people. You, and you, you need that tank refill. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But you, absolutely. you you know what? But I don't I don't I don't know if we um and I try to be really careful when I say this, Jay. Um so let me be let me be specific. I know I don't say that enough. I don't say that I need my tank refilled enough. I don't let enough people know that sometimes the tank, the tank is in disarray or the energy level is low or um, the, the that, that I got an email. I got an email a couple of weeks ago. I, I won't go into all the detail, but I got an email a couple of weeks ago. I literally, by right hand of God, as sure as I'm black and breathing. I sent an email to an employee, which was an article from Forbes or Fortune around building relationships at work. Friendships, just creating friendships with your colleagues. And the person that I sent the email to sent back a response to me and said, I was offended by this article. I was like, now, I didn't internalize. This one, the way that I did the September 2019 incident. But it was one of those reminders that we always have to watch our I's and dot our I's and cross our T's to make sure I revisit the conversation. I go back and replay the exchange. I look at the notes because I want to make sure that I didn't say anything or position myself, the company, my team in a way that jeopardizes the relationship that I'm trying to build, the progress we're trying to make. Um, So I I just say that to simply say, I don't say enough when I do need to have that camaraderie, that kinship, that that community like you just said. So thank you for amplifying that with West Pharmaceuticals and with me.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing is we talked about this, uh, what, two weeks ago is just taking off our armor.
0: Let's, taking let's off our armor.
1: work on not internalizing. Let's work on not going to offended and understanding that people, especially people in our world, are generally coming with positive intent, with goodwill, and we're never going to be perfect and we should always be learning. But we all deserve a little bit of grace and we don't give it to ourselves. And too often, we don't give it to each other. So thank you for being my sounding board a lot of times. And we are going to get our tanks refilled for sure today with our guest who's coming on, who I'm so excited about. That's right. We've got some uh, interesting stories to start the top of the show, though.
0: Yeah. LinkedIn ran social experience on 20 million users, uh, and they did this over the course of five years. And apparently we didn't know that we were part of the (laughs) experiment. So go figure like 20 million uh, users over a five year period where they were trying to improve how the platform worked for members. So I guess when you hear that part, you're saying to yourself, well, we really do want the platform to work well for those of us who are using it. But did they cross the line, Jay? I mean, should they have told us that they were running an AB experiment, that they were doing AB testing? Where, where do you fall on this story?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, one, I think that we should, as humans, just assume that we are always part of an algorithm that is doing social engineering experiments or is monitoring how we're engaging with their platform. Um, that's part of it. Now, I think the the thing is, is what actually gets done with that data? Because yep. LinkedIn doesn't li- doesn't exist to make my life better. It doesn't exist to make me a, a higher wage earner. It doesn't exist to help me, um, you know, grow up a title. It exists to make money. It exists to drive subscriptions, to drive advertising revenue, to drive the size of the database. That's why it exists. So I, I, I am glad they're using the data. Or or I'm glad that they're being transparent about their use of the data. Let me say it that way. And I hope that they do recognize and make alterations based on the fact that um, it is social engineering and it is making a difference and an impact in its life. But at the end of the day, they're there to make money. They're not there to, to help me have better access to my next job opportunity, blah, blah, blah. They're there to make money.
0: And the Wall Street Journal says that, you know, bottom line is we're in the middle of a great reset, great resignation, great whatever the phrase is these days. And so the headline says how companies can turn former employees into faithful alumni. Now, here's the deal, Jay. Um, I've always thought it a good idea to have solid relationships with people that are in the organization, prior to joining the organization, and even after they leave the organization, provided that an individual was not toxic, not disruptive, they were not a person who was malicious inside of the environment, I'd always thought, hey, listen, if a person says this company is no longer for me, why do I change my opinion of them? Why do I all of a sudden now frown and want to shit on them. I I just think that that's a disingenuous relationship. If you are moving on for the betterment of yourself, your professional career, your ability to take care and care for family, why should I hate on that? And so the Wall Street Journal says, if we treat people right, they might actually be good resources, referral sources, perhaps even return employees in this economy? What say you?
1: Yeah, I am I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think too often as TA and HR and, and leaders, people leaders, period, we're not focused on the people that we have. We're focused on the people that might come, right, when we're thinking about hiring and, and building that. And if we spent more time with the people who are, in our employee who are on our teams now and the way that we treat them one we're going to reduce those people walking out the door but where possible we're going to have a better relationship with the people who leave um, because we're not the right fit together anymore and i think that's critically important and it you know I'm not trying to sound all high and mighty like, yeah, this is how it's always going to be. Like we try when someone leaves disability solutions, we say, you know what? You're part of our extended family now. We're going to be your best cheerleaders. We're going to be your biggest supporters as you go on to the next part of your journey, because I'm not the only journey that you have. Does it happen every time? No. And we shock it up and we try to do better the next time. But that should be our, our mindset as people leaders is like, how do we grow our brand? We grow it when people leave and they don't hate us.
0: And they and don't hate us.
1: That's what we should be working for.
0: That's right. That's right. You found a an, an interesting story, and this is one. You know, I'm going to let you set it up, if you will. It's a quick mention because we will get to our guests. But I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to not give it the due and the the presence that it deserved. It's about Iranian women fighting for their lives.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we, we have a global audience here at, at Crazy and the King. And and even with our U.S.-centric audience, we need to always be thinking about the battles that others are having outside of the U.S., right? We've spent a lot of time this year talking about Roe, about Dobbs, about the things that American women are going through. And I just want to make sure that we are also talking about today the things that Iranian women are going through. So, The the death of a 22 year old woman um, earlier this year, who was in custody of Iran's morality police, um, was accused of not properly wearing her hijab, so covering her hair. And so she was detained and taken to a re education center. And in that re education center, um, for not having her hair appropriately covered, she died. The, The details are. Sketchy. We don't know exactly what happened. Um, and that has sparked, you know, several weeks of protests um, in major Iranian cities um, with thousands of protesters coming out to make sure that they're demanding justice for the young woman who died, uh, Masha Amini. Um, women have burned their scarves. They've cut their hairs. Um, protesters have been injured and arrested. Um And 17 have actually died, many of them women, uh, very young women, in fact, um, due to the violent crackdown by Iranian security forces. And we're in day probably 14 or 15 at this point. And it's one of those moments that we need to keep our eye on because it is reflective of how women in, in the rest of the world often live, especially in certain parts of it. We need to understand that there are fights that we need to support and and recognize are happening outside of our own our our own, our own backyard so to speak.
0: Yeah, so um I see here that you have uh Hadi Gimi. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Hadi Gimi? Gimi?
1: I think it's Hadi
0: Gimi. Uh, yeah, it's spelled G H A E M I. Hadi is H A D I again Gimi G H A E-M-I, the executive director of the New York-based Center for Human Rights in Iran for more, you know, detail and just to stay abreast of what's happening there. Perhaps you have um, folks from the country that are inside of your organization. They may have relatives. You may have friends from the community, the country. Just do, you know, as, as Julie suggested, you know we we try to be um as responsible as we possibly can. We every once in a while recognize that we need to kind of prick our global conscious more in the terms of the the programming, which is uh in part why I so appreciated Julie inserting this um you know story because it had not made my radar like I scroll through probably twenty different news feeds newsletters, um, you know, and resources to find articles and things for us to talk about on Crazy and the King. And admittedly, not on one of them did I see um, this particular story. So I appreciate, you know, what it is that you you put forth. Real quick, I just want to mention that Lars, um, Lars Schmidt from Amplified Talent, he sat down with um, two folks from Credit Karma, uh, he talked to Colleen McCreary and Ashley Anderson to discuss alternatives to layoffs. So in uh, in addition to the great story over from the Wall Street Journal, perhaps listening to their comments uh, in the interview that Lars did with the, both of them, again, you can find it at Amplified Talent. I believe it's AmplifiedTalent.com. Uh, there may be some additional ideas for you. And finally, Uh, Last week, Julie Sweet, the CEO of Accenture, she made zero apologies for the company's focus on ESG. She was actually asked at an event if she was a woke CEO, and her response was killer. Here's what she said I'm a CEO who understands what brings value. You cannot look at Accenture and our success since 2013 without understanding that when we made a commitment to double down on diversity, and have a 50-50 gender split by 2025 and our commitment to DEI that is completely intertwined with our success as a company. Sustainability matters to our employees from a recruiting standpoint. It matters to our clients. It's part of our regulatory landscape, and it matters to consumers. That's not changing because of what politicians want to call it. Listen to me. When I tell you Julie Sweet hit it, she hit it. After the break, we talk with someone else who is just as unapologetic, born in Boston to a single mom and co CEO of an organization with three pressing issues to push them into 2023. We'll be right back.
2: How much do you understand the future of finance? Redefine your understanding of the
0: banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. So in a flash, more than 80% of workers say they go back into the office for social connections with coworkers. And many indicate they would commute more often to see work friends, according to data from the Microsoft Work Trend Index. And speaking of socializing or playing games per se, the world's largest game of red light, green light recently took place at the University of California at Irvine with 1,400 plus students taking part. Now, can you believe that some retailers are already marketing aggressively Black Friday? Similarly, Amazon will host a second Prime Day like event in October. That actually should have read Prime Day-like event in mid-October. Apparently, Google has had a few heated internal meetings as of late. Check on your colleagues and your friends when you have a moment. Ain't all Googly over in them parts. And South Korean authorities said Interpol is seeking the arrest of Terraform Labs co-founder Do Kwon on charges related to a $60 billion collapse of two cryptocurrencies. Russian President Putin granted citizenship to Edward Snowden, and Britney Griner is still in the hole. SiriusXM has suspended Brett Favre's radio show amid a growing scandal over welfare spending in Mississippi that has ensnared the former NFL quarterback. And if it matters, Riri, we call her Rihanna, Riri will be heading the halftime show. Shout out to Chris Fields. Chris Fields used to love him some Rihanna. Let's keep talking.
1: Oh, he just made my heart just soft. I'm so glad you said that about Chris. Uh, still miss his voice in our world every day.
0: Rest in peace.
1: Today, though, we have an amazing voice. Um, we're going to be talking Walk the Walk today with our guest, Tariq Myers, who is the C- the co-CEO of Untapped. And we invited him to join us. A because he's fucking awesome. Two because we've been talking about doing it for like two years. That's right. And three, we want to have an opportunity to hear from a person that has navigated through a personal phase of growth. Welcome to Crazy and the King.
2: Oh my gosh! Well, thank you for. I mean, damn! I mean, what? First of all, what an intro! Like, I I love the energy already. When you can go from, you know, Edward Snowden to Rihanna in literally thirty seconds. I mean, you in the right place. So thank you for having me in the room. It is it has been too long. Um and yet um uh you know, couldn't come soon enough. So so really excited to be with y'all and you know I have a lot of love for you both. So uh let's thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good brother. I know that uh we we are
0: long overdue in terms of having your voice here on Untapped and I'm sorry, on Crazy and the King. We did untap, both of us, yep. but we wanted to have you here on Crazy and the King. Long overdue, but but I want to start someplace before we get to, you know, the reason why we brought you on today. I want to go back to January or so yep. of this, this year, mm-hmm. um, and there was an announcement that came out. Uh, it went through a bit of a scandal, struggle, some negative press around the former yep. CEO, yeah. Uh we won't get into that because I really personally didn't see what all of the kerfuffle was about. But that yeah. also is me being transparent and saying I could learn. And so I took a posture of listening. Sure. And I vibed with your now co-CEO and kind of made some explanation to me and I sort of understood where we were going. But back in January, you were elevated to the co-CEO role. Yeah. Uh and I just know the Tarek Myers with the great plaid shirt on Twitter, who was one of the most eligible bachelors in San Fran in 2018. Wild, wild. Yeah, what? I know that guy. I know that guy, yeah. young, yeah, cutting yeah. his teeth on d I, I shouldn't even say cutting his teeth, but just young and creating his persona in the space. And then yeah. within that four-year period being elevated to co-CEO, yeah, what an amazing amount of growth! Yeah, and I just want people to hear from you, like how has all of this landed with you?
2: Yeah, no, I, I first of all, you know, I mean, you you always show me some love, and and you always know that I I stand on your shoulders, so so I appreciate that deeply. Um, it's been a journey, you know, it's been a journey, and um, I think the beautiful part right now uh, that we find ourselves in, you know, Torn and Julie, is that. Um, if you ask me, you know, back in 2014, when I first broke into tech, right, um, or, you know, when I was the first head of DNI, and and you said, you know, name, right, some of the other black, you know, co-CEOs or other men and women or, or non-binary people of color who kind of occupy the seat. Um, I really couldn't name too many, right? Outside of the, maybe even the Fortune Five. And so while while it's been an incredible journey, I also know that, you know, years later, I'm no longer, right, the exception, but I'm slowly becoming the norm, right? Where we're starting to see the opportunity landscape shape in such a way that more people who look like me, more young kids from Boston who grew up with a single mom, you know who had dreams of owning something are actually able to do so now. And so um that that experience is not lost on me, right? Personally though, um my journey is that the the the, the definition of success is, is like it's expanded, right? Whereas you know, there was a time when because I maybe didn't go to that top 14 school or may not may not have had the same pedigree or networks as someone else. I wouldn't even be given a seat right at the table. And and in this way, I have not only have I earned this seat at the table, but I took this seat at the table. Um, and so uh, the, the, the TLDR, the long story short is it's been a journey. It's been one that's been um, deep. It's been one that's been uh, tough. Right. But. Um, I'm standing, as I, sh- I chatted with you the other day, I'm standing in my power, right, in this role, in this truth, knowing that it's not just my professional experience, right, that gives me the confidence, the capability, and the credibility to do this work, but it's my lived experience, right, as a brother who's moved through this world simply being him that gives me a perspective that I don't think anyone else can bring to the table. And so, um, that confidence is something that I'm really leaning into and um, it's a journey that I'm really enjoying. Um, and I'm also just trying to hold open that door long enough so that the next Tariq, right, or my little sister who's 16 uh, and has dreams of doing something similar, um, has a table ready for her and one that's not scarce, but one that's abundant, right? All I'm trying to do is create an abundant table for the next person to come so that they can, you know, they can be able to eat too.
1: And, and how do you how do you manage that? What I imagine is a lot of pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. To be <clears throat> excuse me, to be the next shoulders that that gets stood on. Like, how do you sort of manifest that in not just your overarching goals, but your day to day life to make sure that you are setting that table?
2: Yeah, I'm really ground. Like, I'm just feeling so grounded these days. You know, and I love the question. You know, Julie, you and I talked a lot about mental health, and I'll be honest, like. Um, walking into this role, walking into this role, I knew that I had to really make sure that my mind was in a good place because I was coming against a lot, right? I was coming up against a bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like you know, in the initial phases of this role, you know, as one of the few black men, and, and frankly, the only black. Man, who's a senior leader at the organization right now. Right. What what burden, you know, an opportunity and blessing that place on my shoulders, Um, engaging with investors and board members who who frankly don't really engage other black men, either frankly, personally or professionally. And how do I make sure that I'm approaching Um, those conversations in a way where I can be heard, right, and kind of push past some of the microaggressions that I may hear or experience in order to stand in service of the business and of this broader mission, right, aka my personal feelings are what they are. Your microaggressions really ain't tripping me out pretty much at all. I have a broader purpose, and my purpose is to advance this mission that is equity, right, and that's why we do what we do. I started reading more, right, and I found this escape in reading, right. Where I started reading a lot about love, right. Um, I've been reading a lot of lot of bell hooks, right, and how you know my favorite line from bell hooks is that oftentimes men, you know, choose power over love, right. And that's and it's not just romantic love. I've been leaning into Baldwin, right. If I love you, right, then I have to make you aware of the things that you cannot see. You know, I've been reading The Course in Miracles, right? This idea that you have to be, you know, full, your cup has to be full. And what's in my cup stays in my cup, right? But what overfloweth is yours. And so I've just been reading a lot and it's been keeping me really grounded because, you know, I'm I'm a Jesuit educated young man, right? I I went to one of the best Jesuit, you know, all boys high school. My mom worked two jobs to be able to send me there in Boston. And there's this concept in, in listen, the Jesuits are very like complicated. I remember mean, my brother, complicated history. But one of the things that I appreciate about um, the Jesuits is this idea of two things. One, it's cura personalis, right? It's this idea Latin for care of the whole person. And so I, I grew from a time, and Torin can tell you this, where you know my work identity was my identity i had such a connection to it that if something went bad at work or wrong at work you know i was deeply hurt right i was deeply upset i was affected um and so i started to realize in the spirit of cura personalis that i am more than what i can do right i'm more than what i've been i'm more than where i'm going right i'm more than what i'm getting paid to do so i've been learning to take care of my whole person you know just like most gained some weight in the pandemic Right. And so I've been working to like be more healthy, you know, drink my green juice, express gratitude, things that I'm grateful for. And then there's this other concept in Jesuit spirituality called agopic love. Right. And that I can just love you simply by being a child of the creator. And so I say all those things to say that like I'm learning to love myself. In a special way, keeping my mental health top of mind. I'm learning to love my body, my spirituality, my sexuality, my professional identity, my my flaws, all that in a deeper way. And it's actually enabled me to, to love on others in this in this unconditional way as well. So I wish more founders in some Could talk more about the mental health struggle, the barriers that they come up against, the challenges and self identity that they experience, the moment when their vocation and their occupation align. Like, I wish more people can talk about that, but truly by being present with it, right? You know, I think it was Keilani that said, uh, one of her videos that she has floating in the universe that like, you know, we go through things and we get through things, right? I wish more people would talk about not only what they're going through, but also how they got through them. Um, and so that's how I'm dealing with the, the struggle of uh, the, the opportunity, the journey, the mecca of being this co-CEO, not knowing what next year is going to look like, but being present kind of in this moment to be the best leader that I can today. bro, I think you're on mute, brother. I can't
1: hear you.
2: So so
0: when you think about where you are right now, what, what are some of the priorities um, for, for Untapped for the remainder? Mm-hmm. Let's just let's keep it short term mm-hmm. for the remainder of 2022 as you peak and peer into uh, next year. What, what are yeah. some of you all's shared priorities?
2: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to usurp the, converse, the, the, the question a little bit. And I'm going to go to next year because you, you, this year was a year of stability. Adam and I, my partner, you know, we inherited the company and what we had to do was really shape the company in our image. And and that was a that was an organization that was focused on people outcomes. Right. Culture was no longer, as you know, Torin and Julie, that thing that hung on the wall. Right. But in the distributed world, culture was about what what outcomes do we want for our people? We had to spend this year defining how we do the work. So we publish this doc um, internally. We expect the public to publish it externally. So you're the first to actually hear about this in the external uh, world, but it's called our playing to win doc. Um, and it's basically these you know nine tenants, these nine cultural tenets of like this is how we do the work. If our values is what we look for in individuals and our outcomes is what we expect from our in- individuals' experiences, our culture doc is how we do the work. So this year internally was a lot about stability. It also meant that in the product. Torrin, you mentioned, and I and I don't mind talking about it, you talked about the you know the, the Forbes gate that we talk about internally that happened, you know, kind of at the end of last year, earlier this year, where people rightfully so challenged how could, at that time, organization led by a white CEO, right, a white cisgendered male CEO that came from privilege, define themselves as an authority. On D&I. And, you know, right, wrong, whatever, where you landed, you know, in the conversation, it sparked the right type of dialogue that helped us see ourselves differently. We, we had a moment where, you know, we had to publicly recognize, and it was a great opportunity to do so, that we know we're not the first to do this work, right? That we're, we know we're entering the arena of advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, long after many have just, you know, exited, long after many had just started. Um, so it was a good opportunity for us to to just kind of stabilize the product, stabilize the business, and reimagine how we live out this mission, which is to make the world more equitable. And we envision doing so by broadening access to, to transformative careers. So that was this year. Reckoning, right? It was um, identity crisis. It was stability. It was growth. And from that, from that concrete, as Tupac said, you know, grew the best roses most diverse team I've ever worked for and ever experienced, a team that has an incredible um, connection to the mission and vision, a product that's reaching parity with some of the best products out on the market. And so now we're forward looking to next year. Next year, if this was a year of stability, next year is about the year of differentiation, right? First, it starts with the product. How do we create a product experience that draws candidates into our arena? Right. How do we if if our mission targets underrepresented folks, first and foremost, and folks who have been left out of opportunity, what can we give to our community that they can't get anywhere else? How do we give them that insider access? No one else is doing that. That's the first. The second is around the experience. If people are saying that the future of work is being defined right now, and if people are saying that you know, 77% of candidates are looking to work for organizations whose values align with theirs, et cetera, then how do we create a product experience where people actually wanna be in the product, right? You know, is it, do people wanna be in a product that mirrors their Instagram or their TikTok or their Snapchat, maybe, right? But we realize that as we're defining the future of work, so too do the tools that we use to usher that experience forward. Some of these HR tools are just a bit archaic. They haven't evolved because they haven't been people first. So we're reimagining a product experience, despite being a SaaS organization that drives its revenue from customers, on on creating an experience that's candidate-centric, right? And then the third is about living towards our mission. If we say that we have a mission that's grounded in equity, equity of people's experiences, then what could be that one big bet? Well, we would be willing to bet the company's life on it that could potentially broaden the opportunity landscape so again year of stability was 2022 it was about you know um, product parity it was about product differentiation it was about exploring big ideas next year is about taking that vision and saying okay now what are we going to do about it and so we're literally knee deep in that work now um and it's been really exciting
1: So I just want to take a second and reiterate one thing that you said that is critically important and critically important for startups, I think especially, but once you get an established team is that you started, you recognized in this cool thing that you've built in this product that's coming together, that's, you know, doing its thing that you had to start with your foundation. You had to start with the, why do we exist? And why does someone want to work here and then build out the how we do it? And then the product gets built from that love, from that shared mission, from that shared value, from that shared passion. That's right. And it influences every decision you make, every hiring decision, every vendor decision, every experience, because you now have aligned a team in a very young organization to what and why we exist. And I think that right. is so critical for people to hear.
2: That's right. And I appreciate that reflection. And I think that the, the hardest challenge that I think a lot of my founder peers have is just keeping that mission top of mind. Because let me tell you, there are a lot of folks in this world who try to push you away from your mission, right? For financial reasons, for product re- reasons, you name it. So um, I appreciate that reflection and, um, and, you're, and you're awesome.
1: So let's talk the walk, the walk list. Um, First of all, Torn and I are are honored. Um, What an incredible group of leaders that you all put together. Um, An incredibly well-deserved hand clap to all of the people on the list, but also to your team for pulling it together. So tell us kind of what's changed year over year that surprised you guys in building this list?
2: So, I mean, I think this is this is the first time that we've done it in a way that um, has felt uh, democratized. Um, and so it, it really connects to the story that, you know, I shared a bit ago with Forbes. You know, um, when I was actualizing as a d leader, you know, I, I saw the same folks kind of getting the same awards, doing the same thing. But then when I would be at these conferences or I'd, I'd, I'd attend these events or I'd speak on these panels, I'd see that young junior IC, right, that had just graduated from college, let's say, who built this amazing experience internally and whose experience was completely, you know, hand-waved over or unacknowledged. Or this, or CEO, right, who may not look like me and, and may not, you know, uh, have the same lexicon to engage or the same acumen to fit in, right, but actually is leading not only with their heads, but with their hearts and making the decisions that are right for their team. Decisions that are not just grounded in equality, but equity, right? Things that are offered to everyone, but that are meant to uplift the folks who have been most left out. And so this year, we've done different lists like this in the past, but this year we said, you know, we are not the end-all be-all authority on who has doors and who has walked the walk right? Why approach this from that place of privilege, right? Um, it is not lost on us, right? That we had just raised a $40 million Series C. And that as a startup, we were in a position that many folks who've been trying to do this work for a very long time have not even been able to come close to. And so we stepped away from our privilege. We stepped away just a bit. And while we were honored to convene this list, we really wanted people to surface those unsung heroes, right, those giants who have been moving this work forward, the names who don't always get mentioned, and then still honor right, our elders who have done this work. For a while. And that's why you've seen the list kind of come to fruition in the way that it was. We did an open voting system. We allowed people to nominate folks. We set up some criteria internally. You know, did this, did this nomination include specific examples? Does this organization, right, align to our values and how we see the world? And so through a number of different things, you know, we were able to kind of now, we received a ton of nominations. Um, and, and, and we could have replicated this list three times over, if I'm being honest. But um, the 100 that we chose, we felt like were the folks in this moment in time, as the future of work is being defined right now, who reflect our vision for the world. One where no matter who you are or where you come from or who you love or who you pray to, right, there's a fundamental belief that an individual has access or should have access to opportunity. And on the diversity side of the house, it was these individuals who are willing to do What needs to be done to find who needs to be found? And for some, that meant that they were going to search for the best forever, right? And for others, that meant they were going to go to find the best in places where others wouldn't go. And that's why this list represents such a cross-section of this industry. Some names you know, like the two giants sitting in front of me, and some names you may have never heard of before. But we believe fundamentally that if we create community with these folks and we solve this problem together, finally solve it together, right, that we will finally move this this landscape forward. But we've been doing this work as individuals for too long. And it's time to bring all of this brain trust together to actualize the change we're looking for.
0: Names like Anna Oaks, editor at Quartz and founder and CEO of Oaks consulting That's names right. like names like Andrew Gramley director of early in career talent at Twilio Twilio just made an incredible announcement a Ooh. couple of weeks ago around their anti-racist layoffs names like Brittany Ramsey director of university relations and partnerships at L'Oreal you know when I think about this list and there's so many more incredible people like you said Tarek that we we're not familiar with, we don't know who they are. They've been grinding, they've been planting and nurturing seeds over and over, month after month, year after year after year. When you think about detaching yourself from that privilege, raising 40 million at the time, almost 100 million overall, when you said that you all detached yourself from the privilege, I say to myself, even more of a reason why we have you here talking about the list. Why is it important? Because there are some people out there that that will say, you know what? It's just another list. That's right. It's almost like Zoom parties. Uh, back in when COVID started, we were doing like Zoom happy hours. Folks would get all done up with their makeup, go grab their beverage. They'd come with a great spirit and be ready to rock and roll. Now you send out an invite for a Zoom happy hour or a Zoom party, folks might show up in their pajamas. It, it's just like, it, it's a totally different feel now. So yep. why
2: should people be excited about this list? Yeah, I mean I love the question. It goes back to what I shared before. Like this is just the beginning. And like I want you to see this list as like an introduction to our Hall of Fame. And we believe that where these people sit, what they do in terms of their craft, right? And the vision that they have for the world. If we just brought this brain trust together to help shape untapped, we can finally prove to tech that social entrepreneurship, right? This idea that you can make money and still change the world is possible. That you don't have to forego, right? This idea that the business community can have an impact on its surroundings. And so we want this to be bi-directional, right? We wanna pour into these folks right into their work. We want to share our resources in the same way that these folks are helping us grow our business to achieve the mission, right? This is not one of those lists where we're just looking for inbound leads. This is not one of those lists where we're just looking for brand equity. This is not one of those lists where we just want a little bit of attention on LinkedIn. Like this is the squad. This is the brain trust. And then guess what? Next year, you know, some of these names may show up again, and you're going to see some new names. And now we've created this force multiplier effect. We can stop talking about sitting down on a podcast together with, you know, 50 leaders talking about what we've been doing for the last 10 years to move this forward. And we can actually start building. And untapped is just one of many organizations that has the res- we are resource rich, right? I talked about abundance at the at the beginning of this conversation. We are no longer fighting for scraps. We are resource rich. So come use our resources, and then the more that you pour into us, the more our business grows. And guess what? Our table just got larger. We are in a pace of abundance. So let's do it. We're not sitting um, on, we don't, why exist? You no, know, we have, we won't say how much runway we have, but we're okay. And, the, and why sit with our hands, you know, folded at the table, right? And if we're not going to use those resources to advance what we want to do. So we got it. Let's spend it and let's spend it together. You'll
1: never get a know from toronto and I on that, but I love the the energy, right? We are coming from a place of abundance. We are coming from a place of incredible talent that already exists in our world that can change it, that is changing it. So let's wrap up with where can we find the list? And everyone needs to go and connect with all of these individuals on LinkedIn and start to build that network with them. And maybe just a hint or an idea about how to better position ourselves to be a part of that walk the walk in twenty twenty three um, as as maybe young DEIB professionals.
2: Yeah, so you can find the list at www.untapped.io forward slash top dash leaders. If you just Google simply untapped.io top leaders, it'll show up. We're all over LinkedIn. Um, I would just say this: um, when I was growing my DNI career. And I was early in my career, folks told me it was too late. Folks told me that the ship has sailed. Folks told me that that, that folks weren't going to lean into this DI idea. That D- and that was a time when DI roles were more of the exception in the norm, right? Now look where we are now, right? DI jobs grew 70% in the last two years. So don't believe the hype. And so the pandemic devastated communities it devastated our world but there was i don't want to call it the great reshuffle i don't want to call it the great resignation i want to call it the great reset and so if you are a dni leader right now and you're looking at the landscape and you're trying to figure out what can i do right to impact equity in the workplace what can i do to move this industry forward first reach out to untapped and second Um, recognize that there is no idea too small because the future of work is being defined right now. Exercise your creativity, lean into your lived experience, speak up, push, be resilient. And I promise you, four years later, you may be the CEO of your own organization as well. And where can folks find you, Tarek? Oh, I'm really easy to find. Uh, I'm Tarek Myers on LinkedIn. I'm one of the very few, uh, and I have a really beautiful headshot, so you can't miss me. So Tarek Myers, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm at Untapped. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. If you want a little peek into my personal life, um, that's at trickrick, T-R-I-Q dot R-I-Q on Instagram. But um, I, I'd, love, I'd love to connect with anyone and everyone who wants to chat and would happy to host anyone on our podcast guest um, as a podcast guest on the Untapped podcast, which you can find wherever you find your own, your local podcast. Tarek Myers, co-CEO
0: of Untapped, an incredible king, soldier, warrior. Thank you, brother. Doing the work without any apology, with very few pauses. We
2: appreciate having you on Crazy in the King. Thank you, Torrin. Thank you, Julie. Love you guys a lot. Appreciate it. All love. <clears> we'll be right back.
0: You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts and it's available on Apple,
2: Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: Her Voice segment is where we amplify women making moves in Her Voice. I really fundamentally believe that at some point it would stop, says Griffiths. That was the biggest disappointment, that there are these systemic barriers and issues that exist, and it actually doesn't matter how well you're doing. They're going to continue to be present. That would be Joanna Griffiths, founder and CEO of the Canadian Intimates brand, Nixware.
1: Then we have Dara Tazadar, who leaves Peloton to join Autodesk as CMO. Uh, Tazadair will be responsible for Autodesk's marketing strategy globally and oversee the company's worldwide marketing, brand, and communications global demand generation, and education business teams.
0: Delta Sustainability Chief Pamela Fletcher. She joined the company last autumn, and she has been tasked with helping the airline hit net zero emissions by 2050. Her focus is on exploring new paths for sustainable jet fuel and sourcing more fuel-efficient engines. Love Delta.
1: And finally, we have Dr. Sigba Gallagher's unusual embrace of social media platforms like TikTok that has made her one of the most visible surgeons in her field. But that's not why we included her this week. We included her because in her office is a poster that reads, science is real. Black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women's rights are human rights. Kindness is everything. And that's that.
0: That about does it. Uh, no quick mentions, but for disability Twitter, where we are working extremely hard to keep a community on your radar that is often all too absent. This particular person, loving Lewis X on Twitter, again loving Lewis L E W I S X on Twitter, is asking for help. She's blind. Here's her tweet. She says, "Please retweet. I'm trying this uni." thing out again soon. I'm blind. Does anyone have any tips to make life easier in terms of accessible resources for studying, research, writing essays? Just make academic life easier. Thank you.
1: And then we have Lucy E. Wakefield. Uh, They, them are their pronouns. And she tweets at LU Wakefield and says, I miss a lot of stuff being available via Zoom it made living and working with a disability super accessible but hey covid19 is over right and we probably don't matter anymore think about that when you're building culture
0: and let's rally around this job seeker her name is katie anderson on twitter she's at cat that's k-a-t ann, a-n-n-e anderson kat ann anderson she says dear twitter I am a disabled writer and I'm looking for a writing job that I can do remotely. My resume has holes in it. Look through my pen post and hashtag WeAreHopkins2 that's T-O-O, to see what I've been through. Please share this even if you can't help directly. I promise you, Katie Anderson, since you are a Hopkinite, I am going to tweet such and I'm going to reach out to a few of my friends at Johns Hopkins University. See if we can make a bit of magic happen. And you, you my dear, you have some exciting news.
1: Uh, we do, yes, <laughs> but I get to announce it. So we are doing something completely different for National Disability Employment Awareness Month this year, which is starts October 1, known as Indeem lovingly. Um, three out of the four weeks of October, we will have a C-A-T-K Disability Takeover. We are going to have some amazing hosts and guests who are going to come and blow Torrin and I out of the water. You guys are never going to want us to host again and celebrate people with disabilities and what we bring to not just their employers, but to the entire world. And I am so pumped.
0: So am I. And the both of us close, reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice. Be a better human. Let's create better culture, better teams and better workplaces for now just before the CATK takeover. For now, Jay and I are ghosts.
1: See ya.